to do that day after day for the rest of my life because I had been traveling and I had been living across the globe. I'd been moving from project to project. I had been going from context to context, nation to nation. And by the time I hit age 30, I just wanted to begin my life's work. And that feeling was so strong and it was palpable. And I thought I'd found the place that I could do that, a large church in Los Angeles, and I was ready to go there every day and put down a brick. But the spiritual journey that I have been on uh, is less than conventional, and I was very lovingly with a great deal of affection in the hearts of the people still to this day, but I was asked to leave that church uh, after just a few years. And so my quest began again, a place a place for my family and a place to give my life's energy and to give my life's passion. And Denise and I discovered Raleigh, and we came here to start NRCC, and I have loved the life that I have gotten to live here. Uh, Everything that I yearned for when I turned 30, I have found at NRCC. I have grown here. I have loved and I have been loved. I have known and I've become known here, and I have a place that I come each day and I lay down a brick and then I go home and I love my people, I go to sleep, I come back the next day and I lay down another brick. And I feel this deep sense of commitment to and ownership of our community. But for several years now, a wonderful trend has been happening here. That is the circle of people who also feel a deep sense of ownership, who also have that same kind of ownership stake in NRCC, that circle has been growing. Others are also thinking about how can we can become a healthier community. Others are also thinking about how we can better help one another move forward on our spiritual journeys, and that circle keeps getting larger and larger. The transition began in earnest in 2007, maybe it was 2008, when Robin Camu came to me and pushed her way all up in my business. <laughs> and she said, Doug, <laughs> she said, Doug, there are people in this community who love you and who love this community the same way you do. And it's time for you to let them take over some of the parts of NRCC, particularly the organizational parts, because honestly, Doug, there are things that you're better at. <laughs> And she began to talk about how, how to extend the ownership stake to others in the community. And I'll always be grateful to Robin. I'll always be grateful to the people who were on the council at that time during those years because they have single-handedly changed the way that we do NRCC and particularly have changed my life. So around that time, 2007, 2008, we turned a hard corner. And the hard corner was how to become organized enough to allow people to be part of our community without becoming organized religion. And the first step of that was to reconfigure the council. Instead of a board, we began moving to making the council a working group. Each council member now oversees an area of our community. 
And to a person, they don't like telling people what to do. It's not really their style or the sensibilities of our time, or at least the way that we do community. But the idea of telling people what to do, as daunting as that is, they're nevertheless willing to coordinate the areas of our community so that we can work together without bumping into each other. Because we did more than our fair share of bumping into each other in the early times of trying to become organized. They try and make sure that we don't waste our volunteer hours, that we don't inadvertently hurt one another's feelings, and they work hard at that target. They don't, we don't always hit the target, but that's what we're shooting for. And so I want you to know who the council is, where this circle begins to expand, and then I want to tell you about some people outside of the council that where the circle is expanding. Uh, so the council is Robin, who oversees administration and Enneagram. The council is Michelle, who helps us organize effectively, become an effective organization. The council is Scott, who is treasurer and neighbor serve, and who is in Miami experiencing 72-degree weather today. <laughs> the council is Julie, who oversees children and teens. And the council is George, who does music and community making. And those are the specific areas that they oversee. So if you're interested in those areas, those are the people to talk to about those areas. But if you go to our website, and particularly if you go, what is the, our website's address, by the way? NorthRaleighCommunityChurch.org. And on the right hand, if you click on the NRCC Family tab, it will take you to this page, where then if you scroll over to Who to Talk To, and then you can go down and you will see a lot of people there that represent this widening circle of ownership you will see the church ladies, they name themselves, who oversee the children and nursery and begin to think about our curricular stuff, begin to think about how the events for our children. You will see Chris, uh, who oversees our teen ministry, Dominique with our middle schoolers. If you keep going down, you will see Bill, who's in uh, beginning to help us revitalize community care. Uh, Judy and Tricia are also involved with community care, but as you, many of you know, Tricia has gotten quite ill, and Judy has gotten involved in so many other things at the church. She's wondering how much her commitment will be, so Bill is kind of going to be helping superintend that. Mike and Patrick are now and have forever been taking care of the Handy Guys team, so um, those are other people that you should know. Yes, I think I got, well, go to the website, you'll see a whole lot more than that. So, as an expanded circle of people have taken this ownership stake in our community and making us healthy, uh, healthier place, this deeply gratifying occurrence has happened that will deserve thanks in a moment. You'll be invited to thank one another. So, <clears throat> toward the end of every year, we think about what we could work on in the coming year to continue the trend of our community becoming healthier and healthier. If we've got a plan, then when a volunteer hour becomes available, we know where to send it. If we've got a plan, when a dollar becomes available, we know where to send it. Now, I used to do that thinking through the next year project by myself, but as the council has shifted to becoming a working group, we are working on that exercise together. And so we look at our core values. We look at the four practices. We look at our teams and we see how we're doing in each one of the areas. And then we determine in the coming year what would be good for us to improve. Here we could improve. Here we could improve. Here we could improve. You'll notice when we go through our 2014 plan in a moment, there's nothing there about children and teens. And the reason is because in 2013, children and teens was on our list 
and we did some really great work in 2013, and so we're not doing new work, we're just having them keep doing what they've been doing so well. So, the last couple of years, this planning exercise has been informed by a tremendous uptick in growth. We started to grow in 2008 and in 2009, and we had a pretty strong growth surge uh, last summer, and it gets intermittent, like last week there weren't any places in the parking lot, and this week there are. I'm delighted because folks have become part of the community because it's been great to get to know them. I always ask people how they find our community, and they always say it's our website. And I wrote our website to invite a certain kind of spiritual seeker and to uninvite another kind of spiritual seeker. <laughs> and so consequently, it has been really fun to get to know the people who have come. The, the folks who have come to be part of our community have had just such a deeply enriching effect on us and on me and on our community life together, and I hope that you have that same kind of experience um, because it has been wonderful. Now, in a moment, Michelle is going to come and talk to us about what we did in 2012 and uh, 2013. And what she's, the comments that she's going to make are going to be informed by this growth surge that we have experienced as a community. Having 300 people instead of 150 has its challenges. Consequently, our work recently has focused on creating the same kind of environment that we could create without being organized when we were small, now that we are mid-sized. And the point of that, creating that environment, is so that authentic spiritual community can happen. For a church our size, it doesn't happen spontaneously. Now's when you have to start thinking organized kinds of thoughts. And we have resisted organized in the past because organized has the tinge of organized religion, and that, probably for you as well as many, has been something off-putting. So two years ago, we shut off any advertising that we were doing. We used to be in the Yellow Pages, and then when that became an irrelevant source, then we went to the web, and then when we uh, stopped doing pay-per-click recently, just to let people know that we're, we don't even advertise around Churches Raleigh anymore because our dollars and our time and our energy has gone to focusing on how to create the systems within our community by which we can experience the same kind of authentic spiritual community that we did small when we become mid-size. And it's been going pretty well, I think. Uh, we've made some really good progress, and a lot of the credit for that progress goes to Michelle Carter. Michelle does organizational development for her day job, and so she thinks a lot about organizations, and she thinks a lot about how they can become effective and fruitful and work together and engender trust and engender fairness and all of those kinds of principles. But even though she has this expertise in the field, we as a community have kind of befuddled her. Because on the sense, she works with businesses, and we are not a business. Businesses are producing goods and services, and we're trying to create an environment. So it doesn't match. But at the same time, sometimes it does match, because every once in a while, we try and get something done. And there are certain systems, <laughs> there are certain systems that go to getting the bathrooms cleaned. And you've noticed, maybe the bathrooms have been cleaned lately. That wasn't always the case. And uh, so we've, we're getting things done, and so she has been a great resource to help us think through how to get organized without falling into the trap that has hurt so many of being organized religion. So, uh, Michelle, if you would come up and tell us kind of what we did to get ourselves ready for 2014.
So Doug asked me to first build some context before we talked about what we're doing in 2014 and even before we talked about what we completed in 2013 to provide some context. So my view of what's been going on is since the beginning of NRCC through about 2012, we were deconstructing. So we were a reflection of the people of the church and most of us were deconstructing who we were and what we knew to be true. And that made us more aware of what didn't work and who we were not. And that also came with avoiding structure and that came with avoiding shoulds. And we spent a lot of time knowing who we weren't and what we didn't want. And we were experimenting and thinking through who are we and what is it that we want or should do. And so all of that uh, started to turn in, I want to say, around 2012, and we one day recognized, wait a minute, you know, maybe, maybe structure's not the problem and the shoulds aren't the problem. It's, it's the story that we're telling, the why we're doing these things that has changed for us, and maybe these things could be okay, and maybe we should start thinking about reconstructing. And so that we, moving from there, we said, okay, well, if we are going to reconstruct, what do we reconstruct to, if you will? And so that needed to start with a concept and... Uh, So as simple as this is going to sound when I put the slide up there, it actually took a lot of thinking. We had to ask ourselves, well, who are we? What defines us? And what is the concept that we're working toward? And if you think about um, nesting dolls, Russian nesting dolls, the reason why this took so long and was so important was because we were creating the largest Russian nesting doll, and it was forming the shape. And all the work that we did needed to, that would go inside of that Russian nesting doll needed to have that same shape. And everything we did would be informed by that concept. And so if I go over and give you a, an example in the business world, if you think about hotels and hotel chains, you've got your uh, Ritz-Carlton, which is luxury and elegance. It's a concept. It's, it's who they are. And then you have your Motel 6, which is a place to put your head for the night very inexpensively. They're very different and that, that is their biggest Russian nesting doll, and everything they do works from that. So at the Ritz-Carlton, when the maid comes into your room and she's actually doing things, right? So now I go back to NRCC. We, we're trying to say, well, how do we do things, and how do we do things well, and what should inform that? So when the maid goes in, in the Ritz-Carlton into your room, she's doing origami towels on the bed, and she's doing fresh flowers on the table, and she's doing chocolates on the pillow. It's luxury and elegance. So even the smallest of concrete tasks that gets done in a Ritz-Carlton has that shape, that Russian nesting doll of luxury and elegance. So this is what we were thinking about with NRCC. What is our largest nesting doll? And then how do we work down those layers so that every, even the smallest tasks that are being done at NRCC have that shape? So all of that is to say we asked ourselves, what distinguishes us? Who are we? What sandbox do we play in? And who are we not? And we came up with this simple phrase, we are a Christian church for the quantum era. And so the quantum era was the thing that affected all the work that we did. We also thought about who, who in the world might find life here, who might we attract if we took this shape or this form. And we came up with two thoughts. First are the Enlightenment Christians, people who still have that worldview but are starting to unravel and realize maybe this isn't for me. 
um, in the Fowler developmental stage theory of, of uh, spirituality, that's stages four and five, for those of you who care. And we also thought we would be attractive to people who were coming out of that unraveling stage and moving into a new stage, the quantum era. And so if, in business terms, we were going to choose a target market, this was our target market. So once you come up with a concept, who are we, what distinguishes us, then you have to start asking yourselves, given that we do not have unlimited resources and we cannot do everything, what are the right things to be doing? So we're coming one Russian, Russian nesting doll down, and we said what we'd like to do is recreate authentic, supportive, spiritual community. That's where our energy should go. Our energy should also go toward fostering, awakening, listening, spirituality, encouraging one another to influence our world as our souls grow, and finally, reframing the Christian belief and practice for the quantum era. So that's still kind of fuzzy, still a little bit conceptual, yes? But it is one level down. And then, so what we actually did in 2013 was we moved one level down further and said, okay, if these are the right things now, can we focus on doing these things right? And so what that involves is creating processes and ways that we do things regularly and consistently so that when you come in here Sunday to Sunday, it doesn't feel like a different church every week. Uh, We had some of that through the years as we were wandering and experimenting and trying to figure out who we were. You could have a very different experience week to week to week. And so when we got there, we created some areas of focus for 2013, and that's the whole point of what I'm here to do today is to tell you what did we get done and what can we celebrate. One of them was a meaningful quantum Sunday worship. Next was having effective Wednesday evenings, followed by a quantum children and teen ministry, adult community making, and effective administrative systems. So what did we accomplish in those areas in 2013? In the meaningful worship space, that was uh, George and Nicole and a bunch of other people did a lot of thinking. Yes? So when she uses the word quantum, the same question came up in the first lesson, so I've rehearsed this. Are you ready? Newton and Galileo and several scientists in the 1500s, 1400s came up with a series of discoveries, of concepts that created the Enlightenment era. We'll just take Newton for example. Newton said force is equal to mass times acceleration. F equals MA, which means, by corollary, F is not equal to 2 times MA, which means that if A is true, then not A is not true. And on the basis of that, we framed a whole Western culture, which means that if democracy is true, then anything that is not democracy is not true. If capitalism is true, then not capitalism is not true. And so we built Western society on the basis of if A is true, then not A is not true. We went to war because we couldn't agree on capitalism versus communism, true or not true, and we pointed nuclear warheads at each other because if A is true, then not A is not true. And that framed reality for 500 years. And the church fit right into that framework in the Western world quite nicely because we said A is true. 
Here are the truths of the scripture. Here are the truths of the Jesus spoke. Here is the truth about God. Here's what God does do. Here's what God does not do. This is how it works. A is true. Oh, you Baptist people do it differently. Well, that is not A. That is not true. Now we have to have two denominations. Oh, you Hindu people think about that. Well, you are the heathen hordes and we have to go away from you. And that just worked very understandably. That's the way it worked for 500 years. Then, Einstein comes along and says, if my clock is going tick, 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 it is true. If your clock is on a spaceship going really fast that way, then your clock is going tick, tick, tick. My clock is true. Your clock is true. And so, if A is true, not A might also be true. And then we send these particles down, these super colliders, and they bang into these things, and all of a sudden, one particle goes two places at the same time. A is true, and not A is true. And then Heisenberg comes along and says, you can know where a particle is, but you can't know how fast it's moving. Or, you can know how fast it's moving, but you can't know where it is. And all of a sudden, half of all reality is inaccessible to us at any given time. So now we live in a relative universe. We live in an uncertain universe. We live in an illusory universe. And now everything changes. And so, whereas we pointed nuclear warheads at one another saying capitalism is true, uh, communism is not true, now we start talking about social capitalism or socialist democracy. Or we start saying, well, if A is true, well, then not A. Let's talk. And now that begins to affect how we do religion. And it begins to reframe how we do our storytelling. We did this 500 years ago when Newton came in and did this. We called it the Reformation. In the Reformation, we went through a dramatic upheaval in how we told the Christian story. And you and I happen to have been born into a time in history when we are having to retell the Christian story in quantum terms. We're having to talk about how do you follow Jesus when A is true and not A might be true. And how do you do that? And we have 500 years of lost instinct. So where do we go to find this? Well, where we go is we go before the 500 years. Because in, in our tradition, it has not always been these enlightenment sensibilities that have guided our thinking. And so it was quite possible in the years previous to that to tell the story in a broader and wider understanding because before the enlightenment, we really, as a religious tradition, understood mystery. Mystery is at the core of our tradition because if, if we, one of the thing, most uh, fundamental things we say about God is that you cannot contain God in your understanding. You cannot know God. So if we say that A is true about God, then here's what we know. It's not the whole story. And so now to go back and learn again how to be Christians in a world of mystery, in a world of uncertainty, in a world of relativity, how do we do that? And that's what we mean by hammering out the Christian story in the quantum era. Get me. No, that's right. (laughs) My clock is restarting right now. So, given that as our largest nesting doll that we're trying to shape everything to, we said, well, how does that influence worship? What does worship look like, and how do we do that effectively? And one of the things that was done this year was inviting the broader communities, so not just singers and musicians, but we have poets, and we have children, and we have people who are creative with their art, and we invited them to be a part of the worship. And we're very careful with our lyrics. Yes, exactly. The other thing that was actually brought back in from 
from the ancient times uh, was including lectionary. So one of the things we noticed when we were deconstructing and rejecting things was a lot of the uh, language, Christian language. And so we got to a place where people were actually questioning whether we were even a Christian church for a while. And we went, whoa, you know, we didn't, we didn't mean to go that far. And so one of the ways that we have reconnected to Christianity is by including the lectionary in, in text in Sunday mornings. The other thing that was done is we, the musicians and the worship team sought and even composed new music that reflected more of the reality that we're experiencing now. And there were experiments. So they, we not only did joyous Sunday mornings, we had mornings of lament and a lot of things in between. And so that was 2003, uh, taking and creating processes around quantum worship. Effective Wednesday evenings, we were thinking about our uh, four practices, and these mostly reflected the learning practices on Wednesday evenings. We had our Enneagram workshops through a big part of the year. We had a conflict resolution series on Wednesday evenings. We had Financial Peace University that Riley and Jackie taught, and George created a belonging group, and that went on on Wednesday evenings. Doug did a series on sex that, for some reason, I forgot to include in here. (laughs) Uh, That also happened on Wednesday evenings, so that was 2013 in that area. Uh, We also, going back to that, did tie in a contemplative piece to that. A lot of those Wednesday evenings we did meditation prior to our learning piece, so we were trying to uh, get people moving toward the contemplative by (laughs) seducing them in through their heads and uh, learning practices. The children and teen ministry, we said, what does that look like in the quantum era? And so one of the first things we did that was uh, extremely helpful and the reason why as much got done as it did was we created a council position that was focused on that particular area, and that's Julia Thompson, who's in the back row there. And she started by helping the teams create a mission. They thought through their organizational structure. They wrote some job descriptions and actually did some foundational work there. They built a program that was reflective of the broader church. So they said, if, if indeed uh, we are a church that does these four practices, how do we do these things with our children? How do we do these things with our teens? And the other thing that was important there was they wanted the children to be integrated with the adults um, on a regular basis. And so you see them in here during worship. And a lot of the, some, the outside activities that are done, um, adults can join as volunteers, come to the teen lunches. And so we are trying to do some cross-generational work there. Creating stability and predictability. So again, we're back to we want people to feel like they're coming to the same church week after week. And so some of the things that were done were creating a two times a month uh, outside of church meeting for the teens. So they have a once a month lunch and then they do either a service project or some type of social event twice a month. So you can count on that and rely on that. And that will be communicated through a newsletter and you can find out about that on the teen Facebook page. So another point toward consistency and stability and predictability there. And uh, office hours are available to our teens who want to talk. So all of those things were created and accomplished this year. And then there was also a move toward creating a continuity in the curriculum between the K through 
5 and 6 through 12. And so all of those things are, have been accomplished and are being worked on. And that is why Doug said that we don't even have this on our list for next year because we have so appreciate all the work and the foundational work that's been done in that area. Next is adult community making that George was working on this year. And toward that end, we continued with our life story groups, which have been uh, useful in our getting to know one another. Discovery dialogues showed up, and people got together and listened to one another non-judgmentally. We had our potlucks. We had our first ever fun day, <laughs> because until George came along, we hadn't really thought about having fun. <laughs> We had songbird socials. We had our Enneagram groups, which are now morphing into growth edge groups. And then George also put together a belonging team, which is going to continue to take this forward into 2014. And he will talk about that a little bit later. And then finally, one of our areas that we wanted to work on was effective administrative systems, which again, <laughs> as I stand here and say, it may not sound like much, but have you, if you've been here over the years, you can really appreciate this. Uh, Robin Camus took over as the keeper of the keepers, and she brought together the keepers and got them trained and working. And now we actually have Sunday essentials is what I'm calling them. We have coffee on a regular basis. We have bulletins every week. It's amazing. We have PowerPoints. Fabulous. We have noticed today we have brand new candles up here. And the packets in the back of your seats are filled with information and scratch paper. Who'd have thought it just a few years ago? So our administrative systems are moving along. We have a calendar that is 99% accurate. This is what Robin assures me. And Doug decided we needed to tweak. The websites are 95% accurate, not 99, but we're getting there. We actually have supplies that are ordered and stocked on a regular basis. If you've ever been in the bathroom... You can appreciate this. We have a database system now where we put in our member information and we can track our members and we can communicate with them on a regular basis. And we can, oh, I skipped one, didn't I? Sorry. Um, we can uh, see people by face. You get a directory in your email. Backup one, we have a building that is cleaned and maintained on a regular basis. We have renters. Bob Love works with our renters, and we coordinate with us so that we don't overlap in most days. That happens. And then finally, with Scott Shackleton's help, we had our first budget, as he talked about last year, which is another huge step for us last week. Thank you. And that is the progress that we made in 2013. So 2013 was a good year for us. Um, a lot of what we put into our 2013 document, when I was reading over it uh, in late November, I was so encouraged. We just got a lot of the stuff done that we set ourselves to do in 2012. And so what that translates into is, even though that's a lot of practical, concrete stuff, I know some of you have experienced spiritual vitality this year. And I know that we have entered into relationships this year. And I know that you have found your way into places where connections can happen this year. And a lot of this work translates into those kinds of experiences, which is why we're here. And so it was a good year. So let me give you a quick run through of what we hope to do in 2014. Before we do that, I'll tell you where you can read the details. 
If you go to our website, what is our website address, by the way? NorthRaleighCommunityChurch.org, and then if you hit the Family tab, and then you go to Community. Right underneath that, you'll see uh, a thing that says 2014 Goals, and when you download that document, it'll look something like this, and I'm just going to show you little sections of it as we work our way through. But I'm not going to give you the details, so you'll want to read the details. You can get that on our website. First thing is making our communal practices more accessible. We've got four categories of spiritual practice, right? Communal practice, contemplative practice, learning practice, and serving practice. Now, George is going to talk about this in a moment, so I'm not going to give you too much detail, but I'll just give you one example that he won't mention, and that is this. In the past, we've tended to make community very accessible to extroverts because extroverts are easy. <laughs> you throw them in a room and they start doing community. However, what we haven't done is make enough systemic process available that when an introvert is ready for community, they know what to do, where to go, where it's structured, where it's safe, where they can do those kinds of things. And so we're working on helping those things become. Community making is first in our document because it's the biggest challenge that mid-sized churches face. So it's one of our big objectives in 2014, and George will come back to that in a moment. What I want to talk about is... Our contemplative practices, making those more accessible. Let me quickly just read through what you'll see when you go through the document. We're going to integrate Tze into our contemplative Sundays, which is an ancient form of chant, and we're going to do that. We've been, you've been seeing that happening in the beginning stages. We're going to do that more effectively. You've already heard about one of the other contemplative things that we'll do this morning in the announcements when you were invited to the six weeks to learn examine of consciousness, that form of contemplative prayer. We'll do two of those this year. This year in the 12 to 2 time slot where we stay after for lunch, I'm going to do two introductions to apophatic spirituality or introductions to contemplative spirituality. Teach you what Christian meditation is about, why we do it, what's the point of all this stuff, why do we do these, this silence thing, why do we set aside times for solitude, what is the welcoming prayer. I'll give you, we'll, there will be two of those that you will hear, one in the spring, one in the fall. Uh, there's going to be a contemplation and art module that Ginger's talking about in the fall. And then we're going to encourage one another toward quarterly days of personal solitude, being still and being alone. <clears throat> As to learning, you have spoken very clearly, and here's what you have said. Sundays after church, we will stay Weeknights, we will not come out. <laughs> and so consequently, we decided to work with the system instead of against it. So we are organizing some of our Sunday after church lunchtime uh, around learning. There'll be the conflict resolution things you heard about this morning. There's going to be uh, a book club where we're going to go through the five sections in the book that I wrote of rethinking the Bible, rethinking God, rethinking Jesus. And I'll, we'll get, as soon as the book comes out, I'll give it to you to read and we'll gather and we'll talk about that. There will be Wednesday learning modules as well. Uh, two modules on examine we just spoke of, two modules on helping me write the next book, which uh, I'm going to do. And then June and July, we'll do on self-awareness and self-disclosure and how that works in conflict. And uh, so those will be the things that you'll be hearing about in the announcements to help us make learning more accessible. 
making serving practices more accessible. Several have noted in our community that if they did want to help strengthen the community, it is not immediately evident how they would do that. And so we're going to do a better job this year of communicating how you could serve the, the community. Also, we're going to continue in our relationship with the three service organizations we're involved in. Uh, we're going to do two win weeks this year, Wake Interfaith Hospitality Network. We're going to host uh, four or five, maybe six homeless families here at the church for a week, and those weeks will happen, Scott wanted me to say, the week of May 18th and the week of September 7th. You'll also hear about uh, the money that we're raising toward building uh, two orphan houses in, uh, in Ferrier Village in Haiti. And then again, as every year, you'll hear about the food bank. The other work that was, um, I just kind of uh, truncated here so you can go read the document online. We're going to work on strengthening our community care team. There's a tremendous amount of detail there you can read about. We're going to use our announcements more strategically to better help newcomers get connected and to better help us understand the why behind why we do what we do. Uh, you can read about both of those in the document. And then the miscellaneous work down there at the bottom, uh, we're going to have a community meeting to help everybody understand where we are. Check. Got that done. <laughs> Update the website so that it reflects, so that, so that what Michelle has said is true. It's not 95%. We get to 100% accuracy. We're going to fix up the teen room, and we have to thank the Beasleys. They've done the lion's share of the work already. All we have to do is just uh, do a little bit of uh, buy a carpet to cover the hole in the ground and do some painting. And uh, then we've budgeted $2,000 toward giving the bathrooms a facelift. I don't know how far $2,000 will go. I do hope it uh, takes care of the pee stains on the floor. <laughs> That's right. That would be nice. So, again, that's just a quick overview um, it's just the high points approach. It's why we're doing, but hopefully, as you just kind of hear that basic framework of where we're going, hopefully this is what you hear. That when the announcements come, you understand the picture behind why we're doing what we're doing. There's a hundred things we could do. There's a thousand things we could do. Why are we choosing to do these things? We're choosing to do these things because spiritual community and the interior transformation that happens in spiritual community is so important. And lo and behold, we've discovered it takes this kind of detailed stuff to make that happen anytime you have more than 100 people. So when you move to 300 people, you have to do this to create the spaces for that to happen for more. When a spiritual community makes the shift that we are making from small to mid-size, the hardest thing to get right is community making helping people find their way into spiritual friendships, and helping people belong. Because it's easy for folks to come in, show up, and go out, and never make a connection on a Sunday. Just this week, I met with someone who left NRCC because she and her husband uh, were doing the deconstruction thing, which people do, and they wanted to be left alone. And so they were here, and it was clear they wanted to be left alone. And then at some point, they realized this is working, and they wanted to connect. And when they went to connect, they couldn't. And so they ended up leaving the church. And that's where organization matters. Organization matters so that when it's time that someone is ready to say, I'm ready to move into this level, they know where to go, and there's something there for them. Now, George is an Enneagram 2, which means he's in the heart, heart triad. I'm an 8, 
which means I'm in the gut triad. And I spend a lot of time thinking thoughts, so I'm kind of head-heavy and gut-heavy. And for the longest time, I was kind of the imprinting force on the culture of NRCC, which meant that all of the heart instincts kind of got shoveled off to the side in our community. (laughs) And so... That means that when George has come to our community, he comes with differentness, but he comes with a gift that brings compliment. So, George, would you come up and talk to us a little bit about community making? Morning. Morning. Y'all know I love you. (laughs) (laughs) This is true. And um, I came here, and I was uh, in a lot of pain when I showed up. Uh, Sunday I left the church I had been at for 20 years. Was the Sunday I showed up here, and um, I, it was a safe place. And I know you're experiencing safety. And whatever I do, we must not only continue to nourish but celebrate the safety that is here. To be where you are, to deconstruct whatever needs to be deconstructed um, inside of a family. I found Doug to be a friend before that day, and that was one of the reasons I showed up here. Is that we had become friends. We had done the aha. I read that book too. Uh, and aha, I want to go to that same conference and all those uh, kind of things. And so I knew this would be a safe place uh, for Tammy and I to, uh, to settle in. And we found, we found friends here, and I'm very grateful for that. Doug and I became friends, and we began to spend time unpacking long conversations. Uh, when we would get to the crescendos of our conversations, one of us would do outlines and pictures and points, and the other one would do stories and feelings. Can you guess... <laughs> Who was doing what? Uh, that's, that's exactly right. And what I found out was we paid a very large price to be here. There are things we're missing in our lives that were very precious to us, but in order to be who we were and to speak our honest questions out loud, it cost us things. cost us relationships. cost us ways we used to just put our feet down on some things we thought were true, and now we don't want to put our foot down there because we don't think it's true anymore. Things like that happened. Um, and I felt that deeply, and Doug gave me space. And then Robin <coughs> reminded me and began to teach us again that he's coming from a different place than me. So when I came to the first newcomer lunch, and Doug said something like this, you people keep showing up, and we're trying to make space for you since we need to because we know that would be the nice thing to do. And, uh, but I want you to know I redid the website so you won't show up and waste our time. But so read the website first. <laughs> And uh, I'm not going to use the language you're comfortable with, so you won't even think we're trying to say what, what we're not trying to say. And, and uh, Doug said that was something. It's, it's really true. It's I similar. Did. <laughs> and the thing like is, that. I didn't know there was anything wrong with that until yeah, I met you. <laughs> so I sat there and I had that, and then he and I had this conversation. It sounded like you really don't care. And he said, well, there's some parts of it that's true. I really don't care if they agree. And I was like, but that means they don't like you. And then and I'm like, ah, but that was a two response the same thing and what I have found is that that the compassion of God the love of God the deep full embracing love of God manifests itself differently in those triads that we're coming to understand so this is a place where Doug will treat you like an adult and let you ask questions and will become more and more a place where you can lament if you need to lament where you can't access and externalize and protract out just all the ex- arguments, but you just want to cry and say, nothing works right now, or I'm hurting right now. So we've had a couple of lament Sundays, if you uh, were present for that. And I, I'm glad to say we had the guts to do the blues, and um, I think that was nice. 
And um, so we will create a safe place where you can unravel, you can explore the quantum world. We'll also create a place, I hope, that has more of the, more of the nuances of hospitality and more space for joy, dancing, and lament. Um, what, what happened was that as we be, began to experience this elegant wholeness that we're part of, the divine and the human, this really just beautiful, elegant wholeness that we're discovering, we have to learn how to do community. I think that's what Jesus meant by love God with all your heart, soul, body, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Because it included mind for some people and it included heart for some of the others of us and it included our strength that we can do it together. So here's <clears throat> the places I will be um, in, infusing myself and inviting you to be part of. One is worship. Um, we will continue experiments in liturgy. There will be new people, new music, new gifts uh, coming into our space. It's done very thoughtfully. If you knew how long it took us to think through things, you would probably say, get on with it. At least that's what my wife tends to say. George, it's time to get on with it. Stop analyzing it so much. Um, the other is belonging. We have a belonging team that's uh, forming, and we will deliberately invite us into new ways of forming community. Um, it's hard to do that when we can't insist that you all think alike because you don't think alike. And we can't insist that you all come from the same place and have the same cultural instincts because we just don't have that. So how would we do that? And we're talking about how do we belong together, and we're doing that very deliberately um, and there'll be some specific things that you'll be invited into. And the two I want to talk about, one is hospitality. It's my goal that by the end of the year we'd have a fuller, no pun intended, uh, <laughs> version of hospitality um, in, in our space. But that this space would be warm and inviting, and when you walk in here you would know it was ours, even more. Uh, when I first came, we started having those conversations about pictures, and you remember when, the, I don't know if you were around when the pictures showed up. And that was just really nice that, uh, that that work was done. That was just beautiful. And so we're going to work on hospitality. That, but I don't want you to feel like you're obligated and you're, you're pushed here by guilt to do it. But it would be really nice to have some consistent teams that set things up and move things around and worked on that. So if you, if you have any instinct to do that, <clears throat> you can come and talk to me. And I'll be following up with some of you. And we've made progress on that with Robin's help. And I just want to say thank you to Robin for the progress we've made, which was recognized earlier. Um, so hospitality. And then um, time together. Um, we're going to create ways in which we're together. We'll have another fun day. When we had the last fun days, people said, we need to do this a lot more often. And I was like, well, once a year is plenty often. Um, <laughs> if we have more people, we might could do it more often. But that was exhausting. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> and, um, so we're going to do that. We're also going to have a fall festival this year. I've got a friend with a big farm, and we're going to go out to a big farm and and have a, have a big fall festival, and that'll be a lot of fun. Um, and you can catch fish there. It's, uh, I'll, sh I'll show you where to stand, because there's just one spot in that <laughs> pond that works. <laughs> You're wasting your time on the other parts. But anyway, and, uh, <clears throat> and we'll have some more fun. We're going to, in the fall, we will launch what we're calling our community groups. Uh, Josh and Sarah and I are putting together a group, and it's there's going to be a model for how we do those groups, and we're going to form that over the summer, and in the fall we'll be invited to that. But for Lent... Lent starts the first week of March and runs to Easter. We're going to have what's called Time Together. Time Together. And some folks are going to host in their homes some times for us to get to know each other. And the only formal thing you'll do during it 
because Doug has handed out our little handout on the four practices and how we're growing in the four practices. At one point during that event, you'll be invited. If you're doing anything new with your four practices and you'd like to share what you're doing and what your experience of that is, you can share it. Other than that, every, each one will have their own way of getting to know each other. Uh, if Tammy and I are able to do it, it will involve food and music. <clears throat> That's what we do when we get people together. Um, it's all the time together. <coughs> and I just want to say the price we've paid for this um, is huge. And I just want to tell you that I'm very grateful to be part of the experiment that's going on here in our midst and, and the other communities around our world that are learning that this one true reality that we all share, that the divine has called us into, we can't actually enter into that consciously knowing who our true selves are, becoming more aware of who we truly are and how this world really works. And that when our true selves are expressed in the way the world really works, we will love each other. It will be the only thing we can do. Because our true selves and the truth of who we are all together is love. It is, anyway. So, in the past, we have tended toward um, making community a jump in with, your both, with both feet, high demand kind of affair. Um, and that really works well. And to be honest, that's kind of where we want you to go. So when you used to hear us talk about breathing groups or how, now you hear talk about growth edge groups, that's really what we would like because that intentional form of community is uh, very profoundly transformative. However, what George is talking about, just to put it in a little bit of a context, is things that are the preliminary steps before people are ready to do that. We don't often just jump in and say, I'm ready to talk about this part of my life until we've built the trust that happens through these kind of lower commitment kinds of arrangements. And so that's where hospitality fits in and the smaller groups and uh, those kinds of things. When we think about our high-intensity jump-in, Robin has been doing uh, these Growth Edge groups, and I want to talk about that for just a moment. She won't be talking about that or the Enneagram when she stands up, so let me just say this part. Uh, Robin and I are working on developing a curriculum this year for helping those who would do Growth Edge groups. Because over the course of this next six months through the summer, those of you who are in growth edge groups, thank you. You are our guinea pigs because what we're doing is we're figuring out how do these groups work and then Rob and I are sitting together writing a curriculum so that hopefully next year we could have 30 growth edge groups instead of the seven that she is doing. If you don't know about growth edge groups, uh, when they open up again, probably this summer, if you are ready to jump in with both feet into the deep end of spiritual community, if you're ready for transparency and vulnerability and intentionality, and if you want to learn the Enneagram as a roadmap for going towards soul growth, then join in. Robin often thanks the community, and I want to take this moment just to thank her for bringing the Enneagram into our community as it has been so uh, enlightening for us to help us on our own spiritual journeys. And so Robin's going to come up and speak about something else. So Robin, if you would, come on up. Uh, he asked the uh, council members to speak what was on their heart. And what is on my heart? I just wanted to emphasize to you again that you are in RCC. Um, our pastor is not in RCC. The council members are not in RCC. You are in RCC. And so I want to give you the metaphor of a train track and uh, train rail cars. Uh, the council and the pastor at this point are laying track, and we're building train rail cars. 
But whenever you are going to Boston, for instance, using the train, you never get down next to the track and you never pat it and you never say, oh, I'm so glad I get to ride on you. I'm so glad I get to see you again. And you don't say to the rail car, you don't lean up against the window saying, oh, you're so wonderful. Oh, look, we get to be together again. Meaning the whole point is simply to get you from point A to point B. Okay, the rails or the train cars or the tracks are to help you get from point A to point B. Okay, so that's what I call transformation. So the, are your pastor and your council really, really are passionate about transformation. And we have been told, our God told us, that where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of you. And so we have found out that when he is in our midst in a unique way, that transformation happens. And so we are passionate about providing an environment where you can move from point A to point B. And so this is why we are laying the rail and why we are building uh, train cars is for you. The passenger is the point. So that was what I wanted to reemphasize to you. And as a result, since you are in RCC, it would make sense that when you are communal, we are communal. And what makes sense that if you are contemplative, then NRCC is contemplative. And it would make sense that if and when you are learning, NRCC is a learning environment. And it would make sense that when and if you serve, then that means that NRCC is a serving place. And when you are growing, then NRCC is a place where you can grow. And so this is our passion. We want to provide an environment where these things can be happening for you and where this will encourage you in those things that sometimes are easy and sometimes are hard. So I stand up here once a month, and I thank the administrative people because you don't see the administrative people. You see the people who are in worship, and I'm hoping you're thanking them. And you see our teachers, and I'm hoping that you are thanking them. And I stand up here and thank the administrative people. But you are the point. And if I was to stand up here and thank everybody who had loved someone and were loved, if I stood up here and thanked you when you were trusting and when you were trustworthy, and if I stood up here and thanked the people who were growing and who were instigators of growth, and if I thanked all of you who were doing the hard work of meditating, I would be standing up here every week, and I still wouldn't get around to everybody. And so, again, you are the point. You are the point, and you are NRCC. And I am hugely grateful because you are a part of my growth. And if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be growing. So this is a totally selfish time for me. I am saying thank you for helping me grow. So let's give ourselves a hand. All right, we're just about finished. We're going to do it on time. If you would, please prepare your tithes and offerings. And as you're doing that, in the announcements this year, you're going to hear invitations. You're going to hear an invitation to a group. And when you do, I encourage you to join in. I encourage you to come and contribute your friendship. Come and contribute your spirituality. You're going to see this year an invitation to some kind of a help-wanted post. And if you find that you're good at that kind of thing, I encourage you to join in. Can contribute the work of your hands. You're going to hear an invitation to a hospitality group. When, I, when you hear that, if you are hospitable, if you are good at making spaces for people to connect, I would encourage you to join in. 
Scott's going to ask you to give financially. When you hear that invitation, I encourage you to join in because our hearts tend to go where our dollars go. What we've outlined today is the why behind the invitations that you'll hear. It's the what is that we're trying to do context to help you understand why are we inviting you to an examine of consciousness? Why are we building an orphanage in Haiti? We are, as a community, trying to restitch the torn fabric of community that is the context of our society right now. We're rethinking the Christian story for the quantum era. We're strengthening one another for the spiritual journey. We're helping one another integrate the ancient practices into our lives so that in that environment we awaken to a greater sense of truth and life. And the more people who take an ownership stake in the community, the more of us who give our energies and give our love and give our friendship and give our dollars and give our lives the healthier and healthier the community becomes. I hope you've heard the parable of the commons, where there is in the center of the village a place, and the degree to which the community cares for the commons is the degree to which the community draws benefit from the commons. And this is what we're talking about. This is why we exist at NRCC. We exist to foster the environment for one another's well-being. That's what church is about. Church has lost its way in many ways, and like I said last week, it is the mission of those generations to find our way back. And part of the way we're finding back our way back is the creation of the healthier and healthier spiritual community. And so the encouragement is to join in. So Lord, may we be an open-hearted, open-handed people. In Jesus' name, amen.